equipment going, not that that's all that significant to you, but I know if you sit on the outside edges, this screen in the middle is a little bit hard to read sometimes, and if you're sitting down here, you know, you get neck exercises doing that down here. It will be nice to have it completed. Hopefully that'll be done this week, and... Um, and all, and I know that just uh, oh, an accruement, just a nice thing to have done. We look forward to that. It's still a challenging time, isn't it? I thought it was an, there was an interesting article, before I get into the lesson this morning, there was an interesting article in the paper today, and it was about business, and talking about how hard it is to really do business. Business was designed to do in community, and when your people are having to do it virtually away from home, it's hard to have that that tie into the business and do the business in the way that we, we have thought and done for so many years and great difficulties. And I sat there, and of course, as I was reading it early this morning, I thought, and, and the church. We're finding that, of course, in the church. And I was commenting to my wife coming down here this morning. I think in the first weeks of this pandemic, when we weren't even able to meet at all, I think there was an appetite that says, I'm missing this. I want this. I want this. And as we've gone through the days and we've tried to accomplish some things, we've tried to be able to begin to meet together and meet a little more regularly, our Sundays, our, our Wednesdays, and even projecting Bible classes, and hopefully we can. There is a design of the church that it is supposed to be together. And I know there are real difficulties, and I'm not criticizing, I'm not saying people should just ignore this and come together. That's not my point. My point is this. Something like this can do great damage to our faith. It can make us think that we don't need to be together, that we can do this virtually. And yes, we can get a lesson. Yes, we can listen to the singing. We can even sing at home if we want to. We can sit in front of our, our uh, screens, our computer or phone or television screen, and we can watch the thing separated from people, but that was never the intent of the church. From the very beginning, the church was about coming together, and we need to aim at that. We need to push for that. We need to hope for that. We need to be praying every single day that we be able to get back to this. One of the things that has happened in days when we have separated from one another, we found other things to fill our time. We filled our time with other things rather than our assemblies. We get out of our habits and practices. I want us to be thinking now, whether you're online or whether you're here, I want us to be thinking now about the importance of setting aside those times that we assemble to worship God. I know that's not the only time we devote to God, but I understand how important, and I think you understand how important, our time of devotion for Bible study, for worship, and for the fellowship of other Christians is. And we need to make sure that we don't allow, we don't allow other activities or our separation or even our just our, our isolations to become an opportunity to lessen our faith and our determination to be together. I hope I've said that right. I hope I've said that in an understandable way because I understand we're dealing with something very scary, very, very real, and, and is a real problem. And I'm not advocating that people should ignore that today, but I'm saying let's make sure that we don't allow what's going on now and the things that are taking place outside where we can be away from this and not assemble together to take priority over when the opportunity 
is there to be together and be a part of that worship and study and the body's assembly together, okay? I've been, that's been gelling in my mind for quite a while, and I haven't said anything, and I think it needs to be said, and I think we'll probably re- repeat that as we go along, but it is very important. Now then, I want to turn our attention, and I want to turn our attention to the Lord. Some of the songs we sang this morning even, pointing to how important he is and the anchor of our lives and so forth. In 1 John chapter 2, we point out that he is our advocate. John points out for us, he is our advocate. One of the great passages, the latter part of chapter 2, and that admonition, the encouragement there, and the walking in the light, and the blood cleansing us from all sin, and he leads us into that, and he, and he begins chapter 2 with the idea of don't sin, but if we sin, we've got somebody on our side. Let's read that passage together, because the, the lesson is we do have an advocate and I don't want us to forget it. That's how important he is. I don't want us to forget it. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, my little children, that's where I began a while ago before the Lord's Supper, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. We have an advocate. That's the message. We may become so accustomed to it that we lose sight of how important that is. Let's say you're one of those outstanding high school or college athletes who are preparing to move on to the next level. Boy, that was a long, that was very distant from my abilities, but and most of us for sure. But let's say that you're at that one of those great high school students or maybe a college athlete and you're ready and interested in moving to the next level. At either of these points, you're going to need someone. You need someone to help you. You need someone to guide you. You need someone to encourage you. You need somebody to instruct you. You need someone on your side who's going to speak for you to others. But that's not the first time you need it. For most of us, I can speak for boys, I guess. I don't know so much about girls. I never was a girl that I remember. But when my grandfather said he was, he said when I was a little girl, he always, every story began that way. But that wasn't me. When, when a bunch of boys would get together in my generation, we'd get together to play an informal game of baseball or football or even basketball or something like that. Mostly it was baseball or football. Usually weren't enough of us to to really divide up in teams in in either sport much, but we do it anyway. But I'm talking about those are what we generally played, and we generally played as teams. There would always be a couple of guys in the group. Usually the guys that were a little better at it would be the team captains. You know what I'm talking about? And then the rest of us, the no goods, we'd stand around and we'd wait, and the captains would begin to pick the players they wanted on their teams. And it would alternate. Maybe, maybe they'd, uh, you know, do one, two, three odds or evens or something like that to decide who's going to pick first. And one captain would look and he'd say, I want him. And then the other guy would say, well, I want him. And they'd go down and they'd go down and they'd go down until they finally got down to guys like me, you know, and everything. But he would pick. But if you were really fortunate, some of you guys, surely you remember those kind of things, right? Yeah, that's the way we did it, right? Okay. I'm not telling a story. That's the way it was. Anyway, if you were really fortunate, you would have a friend. And that friend, once he was picked, because he was better than you, 
Now, you, some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you were the ones that were picked first or the captains, but the rest of us, we understand. And you had a friend, and he would, he would lean over to the captain, and he would say, go ahead and pick Russ. Please, put it, go ahead, put him on our team. It'll be all right, it'll be all right. And you liked that because you wanted, you wanted somebody to advocate for you. You needed somebody to advocate for you. We learn that young, don't we? We learn that young. Because I want you to know there was and is no better feeling in all the world than to have someone say, pick him. You want him. I know there are jillions of other situations. But it always seemed that a couple of the boys would get into an argument along the way, sometimes when we were playing a game or after school or whatever, a fight would incur and so forth. And there were always the two guys that were ready to get in a fight and the crowd that surrounded, and there was, but there was always the other guy standing there, you know, the loudmouth that was always there on both sides, egging the thing on, and he'd be standing there in your ear saying, you can do it. Now, in that case, an advocate was not always your best friend. He might be your best friend, but he wasn't acting like your best friend right there. But I've got an idea that a lot of fights would be missing a participant if it weren't for that advocate, that wingman who stood and declared the coming victory of his friend and so forth. Uh, let's just don't get caught in a fight promotion aspect, but let's recognize the value of that advocate. And John has for us this wonderful, powerful message. He's laying it out there beautifully in such a marvelous, marvelous writing as he gives us here. And he's reminding us that even when we're doing what we shouldn't be doing, even when we've got a trouble that we cannot handle on our own, we have someone special on our side. And that is our advocate, and it is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the righteous. So let's look at this. We've got this advocate. He's the advocate with the Father, it says. But we need to look, and I think we've already got a grasp on this, but what's an advocate and why in the world do we need an advocate? An advocate is really someone, not just that's going to speak up for you, but this is someone who has a connection, someone who has knowledge, someone has, who has the ability to do what we don't necessarily have the immediate ability to do. You know, that's what a, a, a sports agent will do for the athlete, hopefully. Of course, he gets paid pretty well for doing that. But an advocate has the connections. He's made the connections. He knows where he is and what he's doing. He has the knowledge of the sport or, or the, the whatever it is, the business that you're trying to get into, the knowledge that is there to be able to say, this person can do this, this person can handle this, here's what he can do for you. And the person has the ability to communicate it and make it known to, theirs, to those who are thereabout. He has what we don't necessarily have in a situation like that where they can get the ear of someone. An advocate is also one who is willing to speak for you. He's willing to do it. He's willing to put himself out there or herself out there, willing to be out there and to speak for you and do for you, as I said, what you can't do for yourself, willing to stand up and say, let me, let me speak for him, let me do this for him. But I want you to notice number three. An advocate is one who believes in you. I know you can get an agent who, for pay, will do whatever. And sometimes, even when they're paid, they don't do a very good job. 
Several years ago, we started to sell a house, and we signed on with an agent. As far as I know, in the several months that the agent had the contract with us, that agent never brought a single person by our house, right? Never brought a single person by our house. So we signed up with a bad agent. Or we really had a bad, bad house. I don't know which. We'll decide that later. But, you know, if you don't have an agent that believes in you, they're not going to represent you well. An advocate needs to believe in you, in your ability, in your need, in, in your opportunity, in what you can be. And an advocate is typically involved in this. And not dishonest, is honest. Not going to purport things about you that aren't true, but is going to take care of things and make sure it's done and done honestly in all those ways. And we're used to that. We're used to having advocates, and we hope that they're honest, and we hope that they're, they are involved. And keep in your mind, in the back of your mind, all the while I'm talking about this, I want you to keep in mind, we're talking about Jesus. And while I'm speaking about some secular things in this regard, I want you to understand we're talking about Jesus. It's much like when Paul talked about marriage. He was really talking about Christ and the church. There was a parallel, and I think that's what we find here because we're used to advocates. We have common advocates, and one of our most common associations is that with a legal advocate, a lawyer, if you want to call them that. Well, we, let's go ahead and call them that. We need to understand, we need somebody who understands, and we need them to understand and to be able to maneuver all the legal things that are going on and understand how a case can be presented and what is the best way to put it forward. And so we, we lean upon these advocates, and they go to court, and they go to bat for you, and you really do want someone who believes in you and believes in the best for you. And as I said, there are other agents, there are professional agents who help you find jobs or sports agents who help sports figures find the place that they can be in the best way but there are others there are others just like you and me once in a while somebody will call me and say can I put you on my resume can I put you on my resume as a reference and I say well as long as the person doesn't know me it probably will work once they know me it's not going to work too well in all seriousness you put somebody down on a resume for a job that's an advocate for you. You don't want them to call up that person. That person say, hey, he's a low-down scoundrel. He's not any good. He can't do anything. He's not, you know, what it is. That's why there were no, when I turned in a resume to the elders here at this church, there were no names on there. Nobody would stand up for me. That's not true. But we want someone who is a reference, and that's an advocate for you. He's going to stand up for you. I'd love if I had a few moments to tell the story of my mother going and berating the English teacher on my behalf, an advocate. Of course, she went home and berated me on behalf of the, the English teacher, too. I'll tell the rest of the story another time, but there, there it is. We want an advocate, someone who is going to speak for us, someone who's going to do that, and sometimes it is just a friend who speaks for you. In junior high, if you're a girl, it was that other girl that you sent to ask that boy if he really liked you or not. So we, we understand the concept. We understand what Jesus is to be. And I want you to keep in mind, when we need one, we need one. We don't need them next week, next month, next year. When we need an advocate, we need that advocate now. I think about Saul, the King Saul, first king of Israel, and gathered Israel together ready to, to go into battle against the Philistines. And there he is coming together, and he's waiting for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice. And Samuel is 
comes later than Saul expects. And as the days pass by and they're waiting, the crowds begin to diminish. Saul looks around and says, people are getting away from me. People are getting away from me. He needed someone. He wanted someone to speak to God for him. And that's what he wanted in Samuel, 1 Samuel 13. Again, get over to the 15th chapter, the same thing. He needed He needed Samuel because when he had not done what God called on him to do, he pleaded with Samuel, come and worship, I need you. And Samuel did, but that was the last time he ever saw Saul before he died. There are many of them. There's a negative one that came to mind this week, and I was thinking about that after Solomon became king. He had a brother by the name of Adonijah, you remember. You read that history, you read about his brother Adonijah, and Adonijah had decided he was going to be king even before David died. He set himself up as king and said, decided he was going to be king. Well, uh, ended up with, with uh, Nathan and uh, with uh, Bathsheba. We ended up getting Solomon in as king. David proclaimed him king, and he let Adonijah go. He said, okay, you behave yourself. We're going to be all right. Well, somewhere along the line, maybe Adonijah got to thinking I don't like my position here, decided he wanted the young woman that had been brought to David to be his nursemaid to take care of him in the last days of his life. And all you can think about that what you want to, but Adonijah says, I want her. We can ask why, and maybe we can suppose certain reasons why. Maybe it was power, maybe, (laughs) I don't know what it was because she had belonged to her father or whatever it was. Adonijah says, I want her. And he went to Bathsheba, the king's mother, and said, Would you go and advocate for me with Solomon? Go tell him that I would like to have this young woman to be my Abishag, to be mine. And you know what? Bathsheba did, but I don't think she was very convincing. Because she went to Solomon, and Solomon said, Why are you doing this? Did he put you up to this? And you know what? That became Adonijah's undoing right there. When you want an advocate, you need an advocate now, but you need someone who's going to plead your case and be on your side. We want someone who has an end. Much like Simon the sorcerer, when he realized what he was doing wrong, and he went back to Peter and John, and he said, pray for me. He knew they had a connection with God. And there in in Acts chapter 8, he said, you pray for me. That this won't, bad things won't happen to me because he knew they had a connection with God. You want somebody to do that. And whether it's good or not, many a preacher has been called upon uh, by people, please pray for me, please pray for me because they believe this person has maybe a certain amount of righteous behavior, a closer proximity to God in some way or another, but they know that. Preachers recognize that and are called upon to pray for someone because of that perception of of position. Because you know what? We want, we want the right person and we want the best on our side. Think about that. We want the best. You still thinking about Jesus? I hope you are. Still thinking about him? We want the best on our side. You know what? Would O.J. Simpson have gotten off for murder if he hadn't had the dream team for him? Probably not. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. When you're in trouble, you want the very best. It's kind of like that line from 
from the Jerry Maguire movie, show me the money. I want the best. I want to know that this is working and it's working right. Those may not be the best illustrations, but you understand what I'm saying. When we want it, we want the best on our side. We want someone who's got the connection, somebody who knows we want the very best. When we look at ourselves and we recognize that we are unworthy, unworthy to even be in the presence of God, we need an advocate with the Father. And John reminds us that we have one and that he is the very best. And then notice, then notice, he uses a word that's unusual to us. He is a propitiation. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He is a propitiation. Now, you don't work that into conversations every day, I bet. You don't go home and talk about propitiations all the time. We understand the concept even if we don't know the word. He's going to stand in your place. He's going to take it upon himself. He's going to be the one who bears the guilt, bears the pain, bears the problem. He's going to be the one that pays the price, and he's going to do it for you and for the whole world. He is even more than an advocate. As important as an advocate is, he's far more than an advocate on our part. It is To Jesus, it is far more than a job. It is a passionate passionate opportunity what did he say John 15 and verse 13 greater love has no man than this what is he saying I love you and no one has greater love for you than I do greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends we have an advocate but he is also a propitiation the writer of the book of Hebrews says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame. He was willing to do it. He was willing to do it with his heart. He was willing to do it with determination. And as described there, it was a sense of joy because he is also our brother. Joint heirs with Christ, Paul writes in Romans 8. Thereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have a connection with God. You can go through that eighth chapter and you recognize the value that he is and what he has done for us and what he has given to us. He is more than just a guy hired. He's more than a hired gun. He's more than a lawyer to go to court for you. He's more than one standing before the bar saying, Judge, you can let this guy off. He is one who cares about you. He is one who is involved with you. He is one who is even paying the price for you. I want us to understand how valuable and important he is because when we look at it, we see our advocate. And as John writes here in that very first verse, he says, I've written this to you that you not sin with the full knowledge that we would. We can point out passage after passage after passage. But we've been challenged not to sin. But in his next breath, in his next line, he throws in there, but when sin happens... And if any sin, we do have this advocate. When sin happens, we do have someone who is standing on our side. We have someone who's standing there linking arms with us. There's somebody there that's holding us up. There's somebody there to embrace us. There's somebody there to be exactly what we need when sin happens. We do have someone on our side. And he is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is 
the one who is the atonement, the substitution for us, the one who carries the weight for us, the one whose blood was shed for us. He is the substitute to atone for us. He stands on our side. We have an advocate we can trust. Let's go to one more Old Testament story. When David was fleeing from Absalom, you know, Absalom had started that rebellion against David and he was coming into Jerusalem and taking over the kingdom, he thought. And when David fled from Absalom's deadly coup, he left an inside man. An older gentleman by the name of Hashai, or Hashai, remained as a spy for David and apparently... He was well regarded by just about everyone, even Absalom. For he became that advisor to Absalom, and by his advice he gave David and his accompaniment the time and the opportunity that he needed to escape and prepare himself for what was yet to come. When you have the right advocate, the very best things result. I want us to know that we are not. We are not lost and all alone. We have someone who pleads our case. We have someone on our side. And people, we are right when we sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our all our sins and grieves to bear. I think there are a lot of images of Jesus. I think there are a lot of people who look at Jesus one way or another. He's a good philosopher, good idea. He's a good person. He was, okay, son of God. Yes, he's one who died for us. I want us to understand. I want us to get the picture, the power of this, this position, this work and what he has done. He is our advocate and propitiation. He is the one and the one and only who could do what he did. And he did it for us. And he continues to stand for us. And that blood that he shed continues to be the power in our lives. We do have. We're not alone. We do have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. We're going to sing this song that we have selected as one of invitation this morning. Maybe there is someone who needs to respond. May we, when we leave here today, may we leave with the knowledge we have someone on our side. But if you need to obey the gospel this morning, if you need to get things right in your life, you need some encouragement of the prayers of the church and for one regard or another, we gladly want you to have that opportunity to do so. And if you need to come this morning, please do so while we stand and while we sing this song of encouragement together.